I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself and for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombus. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombus.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. And we coming from a basement to your headphones. Barely even know who we are, but changing the unknown in a wild time. Thank you for downloading the podcast, The Anos. Now, here are your hosts, Jordan Hall and Eric Wayne. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the last spring training episode of the podcast, Dianos, presented by Martin Supermarkets. Martins, count on us. My name is Jordan Hall and Eric. The season is here. We've got real baseball on Thursday. Oh, so excited the the blood is just percolating up in my system and giving me joy it'll be so good yikes so uh raj from uh the other tigers podcast asked us last week if we've had any time to devise our, our opening day plans have you made any plans yet i told you last week i'll be driving so i'll be oh, listening right. uh actually i'll probably get the spouse to drive so i can watch it over a clumsy internet feed somewhere in you know central indiana probably i'll wave as i drive by i I appreciate that. You probably will Hello. go more or less right by the house. Hello, Hall. Goodbye. Uh, so it, it kind of ruins my things I saw on the side of the road while running. But on Saturday, I was running through my neighborhood and kind of like the connected area. Um, and there's a heavy Jewish population part of kind of the, the immediate area. Okay. Um, mm-hmm. And I saw these four little boys out in their front yard in their like dress clothes and yarmulkes playing uh, a little pickup front yard baseball with a tennis ball and like things are starting to bloom. It was just very like, yeah, baseball's back. That's so good. Yeah. And for whatever reason, like going into the full season, like the, the real season, you get all of the little parts of it. It just makes it somewhat better. Yes. Yeah. I, so I, I, you know, everybody posts this peanuts cartoon with the, the sun coming up and it's a baseball and it's just, I mean, it's, it's more than, um, it's more than a sport. It's like a seasonal cultural phenomenon, right? I'd agree with that. That's actually yeah. really deep. Yeah. I'm going to click that I have, put I have it all thoughts. over the internet. So many poetic thoughts. But like, I love that, like you get all of the parts of this. I mean, knock on wood, hopefully all of the parts of the season. Like we get the, you know, the first week of the year when it's all day games and like you got the hot start and everyone's all yep. real optimistic. And we have where you go out west and drop seven of nine and all of a sudden all the optimism's gone. And then you have the dog days of August when like nobody wants to watch, but we still have to. And then you have the last four or five games of the year where we savor it because it's about to be gone and all we have to watch is the Yankees. Like we have all those parts this year and it's going to be awesome. Yes. 
all 162 games. You know, I even like the, you get the first seven or 10 games or whatever out of the way because they're a lot of day games and it's hard to watch or whatever. And then they start playing, you know, every night at seven o'clock. Just get that that regular routine. And that that's fun to have. So that brings us to this week's leadoff question. Uh, what What is your favorite mini portion of the Tigers season? Yeah, I, I think when the night night game starts, um, I, I honestly love when they um, do some of those West Coast swings and the game starts like at 9 or 10 o'clock and everything in the house is settled down and you're free just to, you know, I like to stay up and watch those games. And I, I remember a couple of times it was the game where um, Smoke uh, hit uh, Ryan Pena. And like, I remember staying up because it was like extra innings or whatever. And those are good memories of just being, you know, connected on Twitter and talking with the fans and just enjoying those grind late games are kind of fun. Yeah. You want to see it through. Yeah, definitely. I mean, it completely ruins a sleep schedule, but what are you going to do? Um, so I'm going to take this a completely different way, completely ignoring the format of the question I wrote. Uh, the part that I love is the random game in like August that we haven't been good in months. Johnny Kane is interviewing an empty seat next to him, but yet still there, there's baseball on at seven, like you say, seven Oh five. And like you say, it's just, it's just part of that rhythm. It's what makes some makes summers go. Yeah, some of the audio, just having it on, maybe while you're wash, washing dishes or do, folding laundry or something, it's it's a part of the soundtrack of summer. There you go. Be sure to stay tuned later. Uh, as earlier today, we had the chance to talk with Tigers M Live uh, beat writer Evan Woodbury. It was a good interview. We talked yeah, about a lot of good stuff. A lot of good stuff. If you want to get in touch with the show, you can on Twitter. I am at hosted by Jay Hall. Eric is at Eric Wayne's Brain, and the show is at Podcastianos facebook.com backslash podcastianos and we'd love it if you would take the time to subscribe rate and review us on itunes spotify google play or soundcloud or whatever other platform you're listening to the show on and of course the show is presented by martin's supermarkets martin's count on us you can learn more at martins-supermarkets.com or on socials at martin's markets I'm Blaine Hardy, and you're listening to the podcast, Giannis. So, Eric, we have an opening day roster. Uh, as always, we want to stress to you guys at home, the winners of these last man battles are always incredibly fluid. So, like, if your guy missed out, say your guy was Isaac Paredes, don't sweat it too much. Like, it's not like we're never going to see him back. again or anything like that. Right. Uh, but I think it's really interesting to get, like, a snapshot at a moment in time in the mind of Hinch and Avila um, as we discussed with Evan, the headline decision was keeping Harold Castro over Paredes and Renato Nunez. It wasn't exactly like any of these guys were lighting the world on fire. Um, but for you, was was hitting Harold the right choice? Uh, there's something about versatility that managers must just love. Because Nunez, I think, gives you a weapon but it's a very specific weapon, but the, the managers always go for versatility. I don't know if it's just cognitively easier to figure out instead of, you know, is that the path of least resistance to have versatile guys or is that really a winning strategy? Cause I can mix and match and put maybe it, it maybe it enlivens their intellect to try to figure out just the right thing where they can't with a, with a one weapon guy. I don't know, but managers are always going for versatility. I, 
my question here is how much versatility do you need? We have Nico. He can play just about anywhere. Yes. Candelario right. can play first and third. And he's kind of had this whole, like, show me you can't play in a position mentality. Like, we got guys that can play everywhere. We don't need another guy that can do that yeah. in the form of Harold. Is Harold and Nico redundant? Yes. I, I, does anyone not think that other than Hinch? Especially with Nunez, who can't play any defense, but hits you bombs. So yeah. you'd, you'd think you'd mix the bomb guy with the glove guy, and then you'd have options. Plus, but it's not like Nico is penciled in to be an everyday starter somewhere. Like, he's penciled right. in to be wherever. Right. Um, I mean, I'm not I'm not too fussed about it. Like, it's going to change the, the a good news times, is, but it's weird. The good news is Nunez is staying. He's staying with the organization. I He will play meaningful games. But the thing, I, that's good news. But if you're Nunez, where else are you going? If you're not making the Tigers, you're kind of, you've reached the major league dregs, the bottom of yeah, the it's barrel. It's not a good look. Like, right. So maybe you catch on someplace else that has a more immediate need. But... Otherwise, you kind of just have to wait your turn. This was a guy who wasn't re-signed by the Orioles, who are not lighting the world on fire either. Yeah, so. I mean, the Pirates are his other option. Like, that's the only place <laughs> right. you can go down from yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, and it's not like he had a great spring training. 11 strikeouts no. to get this literally zero walks. Not great. Um, so no glove. No glove. Uh we, I asked Evan, you know, if he was confident of him making an impact at some point later in the season. He was, uh, it was a definite maybe from Evan. So yeah. I don't, I don't know that anyone real has, really has high, high hopes for him. But you know what? Weirder stuff has happened. Uh, what do we make of this in Isaac's case? Uh, was excellent over the winter. Did not have a particularly good spring. Uh, possible fatigue. Well, that's a theory. Yeah, I mean. I've heard multiple commenters now say that if he would have hit at all this spring, he would have been on the team, but he's young. Maybe he needs this a little bit of a break. Like you say, he's been grinding away. And um, I think it would be smart for some of these guys who didn't make the team or like some of these guys who have been in camp, like Torkelson and Riley green before they start booting up again, give a couple of these guys a break right? Just a, a, a few days off. Cause they've been grinding. The spring training process is you're up early, you stay late. Um, yeah, I, I could see maybe a mental break as much as anything for Isak. Yeah. I feel like on this very show last week, I said, why would you want to pause his development by sticking him in Toledo for a month? But honestly, at this point, that mm. may very well be exactly what he needs. Hopefully, hopefully that's we forget, he, we forget he's young yet. Uh, you know, same thing with with Scooble. I, I mean, these guys have nowhere to go but up. It, it doesn't need to push the gas pedal so hard all the time. Now, you want them to to flourish and to, to grow, but a little patience is okay sometimes. Speaking of patience, the other big demotion was Joe Jimenez. We both had him penciled yeah. in for a bullpen spot, but he'll begin the year at the alternative, alternative training sites. Uh, not a particularly great spring, but also not a disastrous one. It's just It just seems like he's running out of patience with fan base, front office, manager. Like, I don't know too many people that are, are still in that camp, at least, you know, outwardly. Right. And in a COVID year, I think they wanted more multiple inning guys. So you have Garcia and Soto and Farmer, who are probably... Cisnero is... 
as narrow a one inning guy, but yeah, the a rest one of them. inning guys. And how you can't really take another one. You know, you're going to have guys like um, Michael Fulmer and Norris. You know, they're going to give you a little bit more depth. But I, I just felt like they said, "Hey, we don't need redundancy in one inning guys." So sorry, Joe. You're you're kind of and he didn't he didn't have a great spring. Yeah, I, I I think that this was the right play, and hopefully that this is a bit of a bit of a wake up call. Like he's been a no doubt big leaguer for what the last two three seasons. Right, it might not be the worst thing in the world to to see what life looks like for him as kind of one of those fringe guys and see if he if he bounces back. Obviously, D- Derek Holland played into this a lot, specifically yeah. in the in yep. the role that you you assigned there. I mean, he will be a multi inning guy. Uh, I don't know that Joe is a direct casualty of his greatness, but it certainly didn't help. Yeah, I mean, if Derek Holland wasn't here, would would he be on the team? Probably, probably yeah. I, yeah. I would say he is probably a direct casualty. The stuff from Holland has maybe been what's most impressive. Like, you know, it's it's not difficult to post great spring training numbers, but all of the reports on the stuff have been glowing. And when you yep. combine those two, like maybe maybe he caught something again. Yeah, I've I've seen people say they're kind of optimistic about our bullpen. I mean, you heard Evan talk about Soto. Soto, when he's on his stuff, there's there's may not be better stuff in baseball. I mean, it's dynamite. Yeah, it's I think it's really interesting because I I feel like I was was a little low on on Gregory Soto. I kind of just saw him as all stuff, no command. You know, kind of the, the old story and. Actually, hearing Evan say that he was skeptical of him made me feel a little bit yep. better about my player evaluation skills. All right, let's move on. Spencer Turnbull is going to start the year on the COVID protocol list. Uh, could miss the first couple series. I think this might be a little bit of a blessing in disguise because it allows Casey Mize to make the rotation. It gives yep. him a chance to you know have a little bit more... Um, a little bit more uh, proof of, of his work going before we have to make a call on what to do with that, that last rotation spot. Yeah. It certainly gives you more information going through the rotation once or twice to be able to make a call. Like um, you don't need to make a decision right now. You'll have more information later, but there's still a lot of energy around this six man bullpen. I, or excuse me, six man rotation idea. Are you buying that? Are we doing a six man rotation? I can see a couple turns through the rotation doing that, but it never stays. Like it never stays. A lot of yeah. people have, yeah. have said that over the years. It never stays. Um, and the thing that I'm curious about with Casey, and I feel like this doesn't get a lot of play, is people are working on very specific things in spring training. Like you have to take numbers at face value. You go, you know, guys like Holland, their job is to make the team. They're not necessarily working on anything specifically. But when you have a guy like Casey, he is working on very specific things. He might have a pitch taken away from from him for a, a game. Um, so you, this last outing, it looked like a, I want to make the team. Yeah. Now I mean, maybe before ex- the you could put some rationale around this, but last time it looked like I am going to uh, I'm going to assert myself. Point being, we will see. I want to stay here, Casey. His first, you know, two or three times through the rotation, yeah, as so. opposed to any pretense of working on something. I think you could have said, I think you could have used that narrative with Fulmer too, working on stuff early. In fact, Beck said something to that effect. And then his last outing again was kind of like, all right, enough shenanigans. I'm going to throw what I want. I mean, hopefully that is the case. Like that would be, that would be great. 
yeah, McCoskey is all worried about what happens um, when when Turnbull's back. But I don't I don't think having another starting pitcher and having to deal, you know, send somebody yeah. else down is, is going to be a problem. I think things, that's a good thing. Things happen that you cannot predict. Guys get hurt. COVID, I mean, okay, somebody, one or two or five guys come down with COVID and need a break. I mean, you need to be prepared for the unexpected. Definitely. So you wanted to talk a little bit about Hinch in the early going. And what have we seen from our manager early on? Do you have any thoughts? I'm assuming that was going somewhere. Well, I... I a couple of observations. Yeah, he's more, like Evan said, a football guy. He's going to control the narrative. He wants to be the mouthpiece for the organization. I think that's interesting. Before we, before um, you move on, do you like that? Well, in some respects, I do, because you do get one voice. You take a little bit of the character out of it. But how much, as a fan, are you really getting on the positive side from people being able to talk to the coaches, like you get little morsels and nuggets. Okay. That's fun. But for the organization, more bad can come from what coaches and other people have to say than if you limit it to the manager. I agree. So from an organizational perspective, it makes sense to me. And I think it's very optimistic. It it, it insinuates that there is, a narrative worth protecting, a narrative yeah. worth in crafting. professional. Yeah. Yes, yeah. As opposed to this in is previous important. years where, I mean, the narrative was that we were playing games. That was pretty much it. Right. Well, it was no secret that Rod Gar- Ron Gardenhire was a caretaker manager. Yeah. Right. And now I don't mind a few things that Hinge is making, Hinge is making it seem like, yeah, we're, we're dialing this in. Like this is very professional and this is how we're doing it. I don't mind that. Anything else Um, on on your boy? Yeah. With Hinch and uh, I think he's going to, he's been big on mixing and matching. Uh, Yeah. You may not see the same lineup twice all year. Um, It's, it's going to be interesting with him. Oh, there was one other thing I wonder. And that is, um, is there going to be any, any, any aftershocks from this Houston thing or is that done? I kind of think it's done. The, like, I just okay. don't know what that would right. look like at this point. Sure. Okay. Um, I mean, I, I don't think people have moved on per se, but I, mm-hmm. I just don't know how that would manifest itself. Okay. Anyway, All so right. I, I'm eager for Hinch to, it's a, it's a new world and I'm eager, eager to see how that goes. All right. Uh, any other roster construction thoughts on the 26? I mean, basically, we had in Nunez slash Harold or slash Paredes, and Harold got in, and Mize got Mize and Holland got in instead of of Joe and Turnbull. I mean, that that's basically the sum of it. Harold Castro is a little fascinating. He doesn't have that one standout tool, but he is he's been in the organization longer than anybody not named Miguel Cabrera. He's the longest tenured Detroit Tiger we have. I mean, that is a thing, but is it a good thing? It is a thing that I know. (laughs) All right, let's jump ahead to our hot takes. This is the last show before the season starts. So this is when we'll drop. I'm warming my hands on the microphone. So many hot takes. You want to just go back and forth? I have the pitchers. Eric has the hitters. Yes. Uh, Why don't you get us started? Okay. 
Akil Badu finishes top five in rookie of the year voting and hits eight or more triples. Woo. That's Curtis Granderson territory right there. Curtis one year had 23 triples. I looked it up for so some context. So it's not quite Curtis territory is what you're saying. No, no. But Akil strikes me as a triples hitter at Comerica. Yeah. He's got right? power, but not quite over the fence power in a yeah. major league yeah. ballpark. Yeah, I could see that. Triples. I could see him, you know. I could for be, sure be see the that. triples part happening. I don't know that he plays enough to get your your other part. But it'd be well, sweet if he the, did. Well, well, I have more predictions. Oh, we'll, we'll all right. There. But um, Akil, you know, somebody joked about this, that Akil doesn't have any weaknesses. But a little bit, like, he's got a good approach at the plate. He takes walks. He makes good contact. He has some power. Like You're kind of right. His, his cracks will show as pitchers encounter him and figure him out a little bit more but there's not a glaring weakness for him right now i think you're right you can you, we can be a little optimistic yeah. he's he's never played above a ball we so there's no reason for like this level of optimism but you know lean into it but why it's not fun. Sure. Why not? All right. This might be my hottest take of the day. Uh, Matthew Boyd does not lead the American League in home runs allowed. Ooh, that'd be that'd be a change for him. It'd be <laughs> maybe second quite a departure, but I don't think he's going to lead it. Oh wow, that that's a little snarky from you, Hall. We've been fairly snarky on Mister Boyd's account for the last yeah. couple episodes. You know, you you hope he's the workhorse, like the plow horse for you. We're not getting good plowing. From Mr. Boyd, we could, we could use some better plow horsing. All right, that was it. That's it. That's the, okay. That's, the, that's all of it. Miguel Cabrera reaches 500 home runs before the All Star break. So how many would that be? He needs 13. Ooh. He's at 487 to get to 500. Yeah, he needs 13. He's going to do it before the All-Star break. And then after the All-Star break, he may not hit him anymore because he's going to lose attention, lose focus. But he's as healthy as he's going to be and as motivated relatively as he's going to be. So if he's going to get it, I think he, I think he can do it. All right. But that would be 13 home runs. Yeah, that'd be a heck of a start. That'd be a push. Yeah. That'd be a push. But it's within the realm of possibilities. Yeah, I think, uh, you know, Zips or Pakoda or whatever has him projected for like 15 or 16. I mean, that would fall right year. in your prediction. this year. Well, this year. Right, right but you, you said very few after the All-Star break. Yeah, yeah. That's where I'm going. <laughs> they don't break so, it down. There, There's my hot, that's my hottish take. All right, uh, Casey Mize. By the end of the season, he will have, according to accepted opinion, figured it out. <laughs> Like that's some metric, accepted opinion. Right. The narrative around him will be that he has he has made figured it. it out. Yep, got it. All right, Wilson Ramos El Buffalo <laughs> gets at least one golden sombrero. For this is for four, sure four strikeouts in one game. To be to be fair to to Will, I I, I mean I definitely think this will be happen. This will happen. It isn't that hard to strike out four times in one game. Like it happens semi regularly. It's a does it? It's a little hard. Four Ks in one game. 
that means, you know, you're not grounding out. You're not popping up. You're, you're just striking, striking out. out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We'll see. Definitely the best nickname on the team. El Buffalo. El Buffalo. All right. Like El Buffalo. Tarek Skubal. I'm going to jump in on the rookie of the year. Uh, hot takes too. I have Tarek top three rookie of the year. We'll just sweep the voting. Yeah. The Tigers, all the rookies of the year. Yeah. They're going to, they're going to split the votes though. I mean, you, you can't have That's that. True. I mean, get Casey in there too. Three of the top five. There you go. One, two, and three. Too bad Willie's not eligible. Yeah. So, um, Jonathan Scope leads the team in war. Hmm. Yeah, that's that's probably a good call. I mean, Candelario, does he, do he have enough glove? Scope, I think, will play a lot. Scope is, I don't know. I I, I think he'll be solid like rock solid play a lot of games and, and put put some numbers that's why i'm saying scope for war yeah i like that that would be that would be a uh a good thing for the team i would say sure yeah. i think there's other guys that are going to push him for that all yeah. right uh julio tehran and jose urania this is a combined one i think they combine for 20 wins 320 innings and 270 k's basically no i'm penciling no. them in to make just about all of their starts for the entire season. No, no chance. No, not based happening. on what? Urania is not good. That's why. Tehran might be good. Urania is not good. He's not good. But there's my hot take. Who is not good? Who is according he? to accepted wisdom or what did you say? Uh, accepted opinion. Accepted opinion is going to be he is not good unless we go the to first quarter of the season unless we don't stick with with the six man who's bumping him from the rotation there isn't a glut of other starters that are going to take that i mean we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see we'll see all right okay who do you got my turn yes jacoby jones and victor reyes collide hard on the field and both go on the ir from the same play <laughs> i mean that doesn't seem implausible in any way. I know. Both those guys are kind of gung-ho guys. And I could see them. Lead with their body, not with their collision. brain type of guys. Yep. Yep. <laughs> that's, that's a good one. All right. Gregory Soto, your boy, my boy, not Evan's boy, ends the season as a top 10 relief pitcher on ESPN Fantasy Baseball's Player Raider. So I'm sorry, who did you say? Gregory, not Greg. Yes. Gregory Soto. Gregory. Gregory. Yep. Uh, yeah, I was a little disgusted by your, your lack of couth when it came to his his first name. Um, but so that'll take into account uh, holds, saves, strikeouts, you know, your peripherals or whatever. Top 10 relief pitcher. Wow. I, I think he's Top very 10, good. That's big. I think he's yeah. very good. Okay. Okay, we're starting to veer into some goofy ones. Are that's you ready good. for this? I think that's where, okay. where we probably should have started. Okay, Tigers will have an eight-game win streak followed immediately by an eight-game losing streak. Gotta love baseball. Tigers baseball specifically. I, I could just see this team being all or nothing yeah. for periods. Definitely. You look at the starting rotation and you can see, oh yeah, I could see how these guys would go on a run. And then you but can you look can at the rotation. you can see them losing like, every game oh, two times through the rotation. Easily, yeah. definitely. There's yeah. no stopper. No. There's no stopper. No. I mean, Scoogable is probably the closest thing. And for a while, it was like with Verlander, it was like, okay, Verlander, you feel comfortable with that. I mean, there's no Verlander on this team. Yeah, it was like, we may lose every four out of five games, but that one, we're going to be in it. 
Yeah. All right, my last one, Daniel Norris leads the team in pitching war. Okay. I could see him getting I don't know how innings. you do that as kind of this in-betweener. I think he can get enough starts. innings. And I think okay. relative to the amount of innings that the starters are going to post, the, it's going to be more similar than a typical situation. Okay. Uh, let's see what I have. Um, Buck Farmer decides he wants to go be called George Rooney. That'd be great. That'd be a great story. That would keep Evan busy for Since a couple of days. Since that's his name, George. Um, Michael Fulmer has five or more saves. I don't know. That was out of left field. I think he could be, be an effective reliever. Um, and finally, AJ Hinch confronts a Tigers fan during a game. The umpires get involved, and both Hinch and the fan get ejected. All right. I hope that happens. That'd be great. <laughs> Everybody's ornery. So I could just see this late in a game or something. Everybody's ornery. And, you know, that's that's my boldest prediction. That was the umbrella thing <laughs> last time. That's what I got. The only other one I have is that Johnny Kane interviews somebody without a shirt on at some point during the season. Why is Johnny not wearing a shirt? <laughs> The fan was who who didn't have a shirt on here. Not, oh, not Johnny. Oh, well, that's less exciting. Although I could, I mean, if the fan doesn't have a shirt on, I don't know why you're keeping a shirt on as an interviewer. Right. I mean, it's new new branding, Bally's. Yeah. He's going to be a show is some, show is Bally. By the way, I hate that. That is the, the absolute worst. You don't have a choice. I'm, Two days. I'm aware Fox of Sports that. Detroit will be no more. What are you going to miss the most about Fox Sports Detroit? The score bug. The, the ever, ever the changing. Mm. How about the Fox Sports Detroit girls? You remember them? Brandon uh, Bosch does. I, I do not. I think he's married to one. Really? Yeah, good yeah. for him. Yeah. All right, let's move on. I have some categories. You have to tell me who leads the team in these categories. First oh, one, okay. you, you already did. It's war. You took Jonathan Scope. Scope, sure. I'm taking, you guessed it, Robbie Grossman. I knew you would. On base percentage. On base percentage, uh, that might be Grossman. Yeah, I mainly put that one in there because I that gave me another category to pick Robbie Grossman. Home yeah. runs, Cabrera taking Wilson Ramos, El Buffalo. I think no chance. I think it's going to be playing time related. I think he's going to be in the lineup probably 68% of the time, and I think he's going to hit a lot of home runs. Uh, okay, RBI. Um, wait, 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 wait. Let's go back. You picked Miggy to have 19 home runs on the year, and you think that that is? I mean, I'm not criticizing yeah. here. That's that's the top. That might lead the team. Yeah. Who's? I mean, I bet, uh, I bet Robbie is 20. RBI is going to be Candelario. I took Miggy here, but Candelario definitely was my other choice. Wins. Wins is going to be. Um, I am going to say wins is going to be Scooble. Scooble, I like it. Is that is that a good answer? The only the only question I have there is does he make a full season's worth of starts, or do they they kind of monitor him down the stretch? Maybe maybe my answer is Turnbull. Yeah, I like that. He, I mean, he's definitely due some some re- yeah. positive regression from last year. Uh, I went with Julio Tehran, and it's honestly primarily more I think he's going to make every start this season. And if he does that, I think there's a chance he could get to 10, which very well may 
put him at Notice the top. neither of us are picking our opening day starter, Matthew yes. Boyd. I'm I'm very confident it's not going to be him. Ouch. But last category, strikeouts. Strikeouts. Hmm. It might be Scooble. Yeah, Scooble. I, I went with Boyd. Um, I think I think he's going to get all Boyd. of the innings, and he's definitely capable of striking guys out. He does strike out. out a lot of guys. Yeah, um, that's true. But Boyd. I mean, definitely not wins. All right, division finish prediction. Do you need me to list the five teams in the division for you? I think I could come up with All them. right. Who do you think is going to win the division? The White Sox. White Sox, easy. Second? The Twins. Twins, easy. This is where it gets interesting. Three, four, five. I mean, the Indians are basically dis. I don't follow other teams very well. I, I'm just not very good at. I, I only have so much bandwidth, and a lot of it goes to the Detroit Tigers. But the Indians are kind of dismantling themselves. The Royals signed a couple people who I thought were kind of mediocre, but I think they're probably still both better than us. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say the Royals third. The Indians fourth, and we'll finish last. I went with the Tigers third because I'm ready to have a good summer. I okay. I don't know that that actually will happen. And then Kansas City and then Cleveland. Vegas has it. White Sox, Twins, you know, run away. Uh, yeah. And then Cleveland, Kansas City, and Detroit is plus 6,000 to win the division, which is, that's long odds. All right. Yeah. Vegas has the over under at 68 and a half wins. Really? They couldn't they couldn't get that give us that extra half a win. Couldn't go that half a win. What do you It seems to be say? right here. We joke about this every year. We've been right right here. Um Evan said it. I don't think we're particularly better than last year. CJ Crone, I'm I'm stunned we didn't try to get him back. I thought he was great. Now I, I know he was hurt or whatever, but he caught on with the Rockies, I believe. He's he had make a the real team. good spring. Yeah. I mean, why why are we not bringing him back? He had a good glove at least where Nunez doesn't. Anyway, where am I going with this? Are we better than last year? I mean, over under wins not. was where we were going before that detour. Right. So we would have finished under the projected wins last year by quite a bit. I I have to be that guy. I'll probably have to take the under. Wow, what a bummer. I'm taking the over. Give me 72. If I had a if I had to wager my own hard-earned money, I would I would take the under. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact? You can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey, it's Paige Desorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. We now welcome on Tigers beat writer for M Live and all around good guy. It's Evan Woodbury. Evan, thanks for taking some time out of your schedule to talk with us. 
No problem. How are you guys doing? Pretty good. I, I actually have oh. notifications for your tweet turned on my phone. So my wife jokes that I actually get more <laughs> notifications from you than I do from any of my real friends. So that's cool. <laughs> that's all right. That's all right. I'll take it. Uh, so it's been a spring down there in Lakeland like no other. Uh, what have you made of the reduced capacity uh, environment, the, the, all of the protocols for spring baseball? Like, What has that done to the overall experience for you as, as a journalist and kind of for some of the guys down there? Well, I mean, it's a little bit, it's a small step back to normal. And I think in a lot of ways, the, the spring training at 20, 25% capacity, depending on the ballpark showed that it could be done and it could be done fairly easily because I mean, it, it was, it was Lakeland, which is, you know, basically the, and I'm not saying this in a negative way, but it's basically retirees that are the security guards and that are running the concession stands and the ushers. And it, it was a well-oiled machine. I mean, everything went off fine. Nice. Uh, there was it was not crowded at all. Everybody was in their little little space, uh, in their seating pod. I don't know. Just I, to me, if you were in Detroit and you were wondering if if you could pull off twenty or twenty-five percent, I would say come to Lakeland and you say it was it was done very easily and without any problems. So I, I expect that once it gets to Detroit and it's an even bigger stadium and more room to spread out. Uh, I don't think there'll be any problems. So, I mean, it wasn't it, a packed house, but it was a, a step toward normalcy in comparison to, to what we've seen last year with, with completely empty stadiums and, and cardboard cutouts and things of that nature. Right. So uh, fans back, at least in a limited capacity, is going to be a big change from th- last year to this year. The other huge change for the Tigers is the change at the at the very top, the, the manager. We have A.J. Hinch. What have you been... What have been your initial impressions so far? How has he been um, different than Ron Gardenhire? Uh, how do you expect his influence to uh, flow through the rest of the clubhouse? What have you seen so far? Well, from a media perspective, I really like him a lot. Uh, and I've actually heard great things about him from a media perspective from uh, a friend or two that, that covered the Astros. So that's been really nice. And it's tough because obviously none of us have ever met in person uh, to, to the Zoom, we've only been wow, talking on Zoom right. calls. Yeah, but he, you know, just the uh, the way he answers questions very thoughtfully, the amount of time he's willing to spend with us, uh, even talking about what are largely meaningless games, uh, and the, you know the fact that he he just I think he seems to enjoy it. I think he likes talking baseball, and so that's it's been really fun to deal with him, and it's been a really positive first impression I think that we've all got from him as far as tangible differences. I, I, I always have a little bit of skepticism just because even mm-hmm. before I covered baseball, when I would cover, when I cover football, you just, you get immune to hearing the same old thing every time there's a coaching transition because they all say the same thing. And it's kind of similar in baseball where, you know, yes, there's talk about the fundamentals and yes, there's talk about base running and <laughs> good approaches to the plate. And it's, it's really, you don't have to rewind very far to three years ago when, when Ron Gardenhire was talking about the same thing. And it's not that, either Ron Gardenhire or, or uh, A.J. Hinch are being disingenuous. It's just that's, you know, I think you should take all of that with a grain of salt as far as, um, you know, the kind of meaningful impact that's going to be had. I do think that the biggest impact, and we've already seen it, is that I think A.J. Hinch is going to be much more engaged with kind of big picture stuff mm, as far yeah. as roster management, roster construction, you know, even going towards the future uh, I, I just think he's going to be much, much more engaged and have a much bigger say than perhaps Ron Gardenhire did. And in that sense, the Ron, Ron Gardenhire's arrangement was much more old school in the sense that 
the GM got the players and the manager managed the players, and that was that. I think there's a lot more interchange between Hinch and, and Avila uh, that we're seeing already. And I think, you know, that, that he gets not, – not that he gets a lot of input, but I think that the relationship is such that, that uh, you know, that, that they – that they talk a lot and, and that his input is really valued and, and that it's not a situation where Alavila just says, here, here are your players, go, go manage. I think it's a lot deeper than that. So Eric wanted to go all the way to the top. I want to go slightly below the top. This is the guy that I've been in on from the very beginning. Chris Fetter came in with a reputation of being basically a genius. Um, you've obviously seen uh, his day-to-day activities a lot closer than we have. Um, is he, am I right? Is, is he the absolute man? I think, you know, that's we can only judge more or less based on what the pitchers have told us, because this is one quirk of A.J. Hinch that is unusual and that I guess I should have in for all as much as I've enjoyed coaches. Right. Right. You can't you can't talk to the coaches. And that's that's a very kind of NFL type policy. It's very unusual for baseball. It's in fact, that was the biggest change about covering baseball was where. You know, you didn't need to, if you wanted to go talk to the hitting coach, you just went up and talked to the hitting coach. You didn't <laughs> schedule it with anyone. You, you just bumped into him in the hallway and be like, hey, do you have a few minutes? It's it's a, And now A.J. Hinch is very much more on kind of the NFL style, which is where the, the manager or head coach is speaking as the voice of the team or the program. So to, it, that's a long way of saying I really, we don't have a ton of firsthand knowledge as far as what Chris Fetter is doing other than what we've heard from pitchers and we have gotten a lot of uh, interesting feedback uh i do think that for as much as he is analytically inclined and for as much as from his background he he knows the video he knows the data he's really good at, at the kind of um not pitch 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 sequencing let's say that that i think will really be something that we notice a lot in 2021 there's a lot of just basic stuff too that that i think any good pitching coach deals with just stuff that has nothing to do with analytics, just about confidence, about, you know, showing trust in pitchers, just the kind of, you know, the intangibles that uh, I think every good pitching coach does. Because what, what I've learned from pitchers is just, it doesn't really matter what they believe, it's that they've got to believe it. It doesn't matter, you know, that, uh, I, I think just so much of, of what being a pitcher is in such a game of failure like baseball, it, where the difference between having a good outing and having a bad, bad outing can be one or two pitches. I, I think it's just kind of the conviction with which you throw. And I think that's a big part of, of what both Hinch and, and uh, Chris Fetter talk about quite a bit. Um, well, what, for practical what, what, things, I, I think the pitch sequencing, though, is something that they've alluded to a lot that we don't really get to see behind the scenes. But I'll be very curious to see once once the regular season begins. Well, one exemplar of the type of thing that you're talking about is maybe – most clear in a guy like Casey Mize. Uh, he's got the stuff, he's got the pedigree, he's hammered out in college in the early days. He's He's got the equipment to really excel. Um, but we saw some times in spring where he's walking guys. Um, what Casey Mize are we going to get? Um, it's early for him, but he does come with, you know, the, the pomp of that, that one, one pick. And uh, what have you seen from Casey Mize and what, what might we expect from him? Well, the, the Tigers certainly hope is what we saw in that last outing. Yes. Uh, because he was just dominant. And it was really, he, he needed to be dominant. We didn't need to be dominant, but he needed to be effective or else I don't think he was going to be on the team uh, just because I, right. I think, you know, in, in situations where A.J. Hinch has laid out a competition, you can't 
credibly take a guy who has struggled all spring up north if you've declared it to be a competition. Uh, and I think that would have been the case with Casey Mize had he not had that last great outing. Uh, but, you know, the stuff has been there the entire spring. The velocity has been there the entire spring. He's just uh, missed a bit. And, you know, we've seen we've seen him lose a lot of 3-2 counts. We've seen him get ahead 0-2, 1-2, and then lose counts. Uh, and, you know, we've seen a lot of similarities to last year, and that was kind of the perplexing or maybe wor- worrisome thing is that the same thing that, it, that Casey Mize said last year, which is, you know, that the walks are a concern, but don't worry about me my entire career – you know, I've, I've been a control pitcher and I can continue to do that. He kind of said the same thing this spring. And while that's totally true that his career, both in college and minor leagues, his control has been impeccable. His command has been impeccable. What we've seen in the major leagues and now in spring training was, was not representative of that. So uh, that's going to be something to watch because, you know, that's, that's going to be the difference between him pitching, you know, six innings in a solid outing or getting knocked out in the fourth because he's walked, three guys and gone three, two on three other guys. And, and uh, just his, you know, has not been real efficient. We saw that a lot during his, his rookie season. And I think, you know, just commanding the baseball, avoiding walks and uh, you know, looking like he did in that, that last game, I think is going to be the ticket for him. Probably the headlining roster decision was keeping Harold Castro at the expense of Renato Nunez and Isaac Paredes. Did I get that right? (laughs) Three syllables now. Three syllables now, please. Um, Clearly, that's that's kind of the the big talking point for this week. What went into that decision? What made them decide that that Her- Hitton Harold was was the one to make the trip? Are you uh, optimistic about the chances of Renato Nunez making an impact at some point this season for the Tigers? Well, it's I was I thought it was a stunning decision because I had penciled in Nunez almost from day one that he was going to be on the roster in some capacity or another. And I thought if he wasn't going to be on the roster, it'd be because Isaac Paredes was going to be the guy instead. And so to have Harold Castro be the guy instead uh, was very perplexing. I think it's a little bit less less concerning now that Nunez has agreed to stay in the organization and go to Toledo. That was kind of a mild surprise to me because I thought he was going to say, well, if I can't make it now, why am I going to make it in June or July when theoretically Paredes will be back in the picture and, and you'll have Paredes at third and Jamer Candelario at first. Uh, but you know, it's, it's a tough life as a first baseman uh, who yeah. is not a particularly good fielder. And, you know, it's kind of like a lot of other guys out there. You just, the, the jobs are not growing on trees. So, uh, I, I was still surprised just because I think if he plays every day, he hits 30 home runs and the Tigers don't have anybody like that in the lineup. And I, I think you, you accept some of the negative downside of, of Nunez to, to get that power. Uh, but as I wrote, this is the second manager in a row to fall in love with Harold Castro the fact that he can play a lot of positions, he's versatile. Um, it, it's it's an interesting decision. It's kind of a head scratcher, but I, I'm absolutely convinced this is a an AJ Hinch decision. This is not coming up from on high. He really liked Harold Castro. He likes the versatility, and I think he wants to play around with the lineup quite a bit, not just at first base, but at virtually every position. And I think you know we could see in the first 25, 30 games of the season, we could see. 25, 30 different lineups. I mean, I think he is really going to play around with it, look for the best fit, and, and play some matchups. And Harold allows him to do that. Nunez really didn't allow him to do that as much. So uh, this is a kind of our last uh, chance before this season starts to get some predictions in, bold or otherwise. Um, how do you see this thing playing out? Any Anything that you would like to get on the record as saying, I called this? 
Oh gosh. I, I don't know. I, I my pick my prediction is kind of boring because I had them at at I think seventy wins. Uh, you know, and then I put an optimistic scenario and a pessimistic scenario. Um, I I don't think this team is that much better than last year's team. I really don't. I mean, I. I now, obviously, last year's team was fun for a little while, and, and they almost made it interesting in a short season. But I think over the course of a 162-game season, last year's team would not have been very good and, in fact, was kind of in the process of falling apart as the 60-game the season came to an end. Uh, yes. I'm not convinced that, that Nomar Masara is going to be that much of an upgrade over, say, Christian Stewart. I, I'm not convinced that... Well, I mean, I'm not convinced that they have an upgrade over C.J. Cron. I, I would have right. thought that Nunez would have at least, you know, made up for some of that. But now you're going to have Nico Goodrum and Harold Castro and who knows who else playing first base. And I don't think that's an ups, upside over Cron. Uh, I'm not convinced they have an upgraded catcher. I, I really don't think that uh, – I think that Wilson Ramos will hit more, but I'm starting to question whether his defense will be such that he ends up being a part-time player just because you can't have his glove in the lineup. And maybe he spends some time at the age. So I, I still have a lot of questions about this team. And I know spring is a time for optimism. I, I'm just kind of pessimistic on a lot of their a lot of their pickups this winter. Uh, I'm more optimistic on some of the younger guys. I'm optimistic that Casey Mize is going to be better. I'm optimistic that uh, that Scoobal is going to be good. I'm optimistic that Matthew Boyd is going to bounce back and have a solid season. And I've even convinced myself to be optimistic about Gregory Soto, uh, who I was probably kind of in the skeptic camp for a long time, but he's just, he's just pitching like a man possessed towards the end of spring. Cause I think he really wants that closer job and I'm really excited to see what he can do. So I think there are some, some aspects where I think, uh, you know, this team can exceed expectations or, or maybe have some pleasant surprises, but I think just taken as a whole, I think it is more or less like last year's team. And I don't think at the end of the day, last year's team was very good. Hard to argue with that. All right, so I have one more question for you. Uh, this is this is personal. Uh, I've been on the Robbie Grossman train since the moment we signed him. Actually, before we signed him, I think that this is the the bat that bring that that stirs the drink, the one that's going to put it all together. Obviously, tongue in cheek there. Uh, what did you see from Robbie this spring? Uh, is he half as good as I think he is? You know, after a kind of a slow start, he's been really phenomenal the last couple of weeks. Uh, you know, he's drawn a lot of walks, made a lot of contact, doesn't strike out as much. Has seemingly played good defense. I think it will be interesting. He, I mean, he's going to play every day. I, I really think if you're looking for a guy that might play, you know, 155, 160 games, he could do that. And he hasn't necessarily done that throughout his career. Even when he was playing really well with the A's, they would kind of pick and choose the matchups for him and maybe sit him against some tough lefties, things like that. So I think to to play every day is sometimes a challenge because although that's a good thing for a hitter, sometimes – uh, it you know a manager selectively choosing on what days to sit you can actually help your overall production because you're you're avoiding some of the tougher matchups. So I think that's going to be something really to watch for him because you know th- this is a guy who has not necessarily been a 160 game guy throughout his career and he's getting uh, a chance at the age of, of 31 to do so. So I, I'm I'm optimistic and I think you know he's the best outfielder the Tigers have right now. But uh, you know this is this is a career opportunity for him to say that, you know, he's more than a fourth outfielder. He's an everyday guy, and, and he's going to get a chance. Eric, any any Akil Badu questions before we, we wrap up? <laughs> yeah, first or second in the MVP voting for Akil. <laughs> you know, we, 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 love, we love some Akil Badu among the, the, the fan base. 
and, and, be fun. and you should by by all means because he's been phenomenal this spring. I I think I mean, and I was definitely definitely in the, the Akil Badu skeptic camp for a long right. time, <laughs> even after his hot start. I was in the skeptic camp, but he's he's won me over not so much because of the way he's hit, but because of the way he's drawn walks. Right. Uh, you know, and and obviously there in sometimes in spring training you get a pitcher in and he walks five guys in a row and it's just it's like little <laughs> league. But a lot of Badu's at bats were really good walks, really walks he had to work to draw. And this is this is a guy who hasn't played pitched above class A. He's a no name in the lineup. You know, pitchers are not pitching around him. They're attacking him, and he's still able to draw walks. He's still able to hit for power. Uh, he's still able to have good contact. That was really impressive. And so, you know, yeah, spring training is spring training, but uh, this is a guy I think you hold on to and see what see what he can do in, in real games, and I think they're excited about him. Evan, thank you so much for your time. I highly doubt anyone that's listening to us uh, doesn't follow you already, but if you don't, go follow Evan at, at Evan Woodbury. And you have a Spanish language uh, feed as well. I didn't write that one down. What, what's that one? That's uh, Soy Evan Woodbury in Spanish. Evan, thank you so much. Uh, con- appreciate your, your continued keeping us in touch with the team and all the work you're doing. And uh, tell all the guys that we say what's up through the, uh, the Zoom calls. Thank you so much, Evan. All right. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Thank you. Hello, this is Eric's mom, and you're listening to the Podcast Llanos. All right. Let's go to your power rankings. Power rankings. We, he came up a couple times in the podcast already, and I'm talking about Mr. Akil Badu is going to make this team. And I think it's clear that Mr. Badu has a fantastic name. He does. Yep. He's going to be a, a major leaguer for the Tigers. So I have for you, this is a little change of pace. The top 20, count them, 2-0, the top 20 major league names, names of major league players who played for the Tigers. So these are the 20 best names who have ever donned the old English D. Wow. All right. This is a lot of work for you. So top 20 and bottom three. So that's okay, so we're going to go through these a little quicker. Smart. Here we go. Starting at number 20 is Lou Skipacase. Lou Skipacase. They called him Skip that makes for sense. short. Pretty, pretty straightforward. Number 19 is Happy Finnerin. Now, you're going to notice a lot of old timey names. And so uh, these are just how they're entered in Wikipedia. So if that's if it's happy, his name is happy. Happy Finnerin. He's number 19. Okay. Number 18 is Razor Ledbetter. Oh, that's a good one. Just cuts Which through is the kind competition. Of a punk. Yeah, kind of a punk uh grunge kind of name, Razor Ledbetter. All big right. Pearl Jam hit, Mr. Yellow Razor Ledbetter. Okay. Number 17 is Pernal Goldie. Pernal Goldie is is humorous, right? I like, I like that. Number 16 is Frank Sigafoos. These are real names of real people. Frank Sigafoos. Number 15 is Wally Shang. Wally Shang. That's a good one because both the first and the last name are funny. Are a little funny. Wally's kind of a funny. Yeah. Wally Shang. Okay. I like that. Okay. 14. <laughs> yeah. We're only to 14, friends. 14 is Grover Loudermilk. Oh, that's a good one, too. Grover Loudermilk. Is that who the Grover Sesame Street character was named after? Are we assuming? Absolutely. Absolutely. 
Uh, number 13 is Guy Tutwiler. Can you guess what Guy Tutwiler's nickname was? Tut. King Tut. Oh, that's King Tut. yeah, that, that makes even more sense. Number number 12 is kind of a, a conceptual thing. You have to imagine this. And that is Harry Rice. No, thank you, actually. Harry Harry Rice. You like I you know, you have to, it it's doesn't a, sound good. No. Okay. Number eleven is uh, a fairly popular name, I would say, somebody you're familiar with. And that is Skeeter Barnes. Can you imagine like live, you know, mosquitoes as livestock in a large barn? Like Skeeter Barnes. That's where they, where the Skeeters come from. That's where you keep them. Skeeter farm. Okay. Number 10 is John Walkenfuss. Oh, that's a good name, right? That is a good name. Okay. How, how, wait, 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 wait. How do you have a last name like Walkenfuss and then get named John? There has to be, well, there has to be something more interesting than that. Their parents were trying to balance it out, must be. Trying like to give it. them some fighting chance in life. Okay, this next one I have to be careful with. And that is Charlie Fuchs. Charlie Fuchs? F-U-C-H-S? It's got to be what, Dutch or German? Couldn't I like, say. I feel like you'd be the Charlie expert on that one. Fuchs. Uh, he was a career 070 hitter. Had to, Not be, much. had to be good with the glove. Good... Fuchs was good with the glove, not so much with the bat. Not good with the stick. Okay. Number eight is Lil Stoner. Not a big one. Lil, Lil. Lil Stoner. Sounds like a uh, rapper name. That is a little rapper name. Lil Pump, Lil Stoner. Okay, now we're back into familiar territory. Number seven. Okay. Uh, but I had to do all the other ones because yes, they were, those, they were, those were good ones. Yeah. Yep. Turn that phone off. I forgot about that. It's okay. I'm I'm trying to work actually today too. Sounds Don't like it. Anybody. Talking about okay. little stoner trying to work. <laughs> tell you what. Okay, number seven is Boots Poffenberger. Did you just hang up on someone? Yeah, twice. <laughs> <laughs> I can't, I'm sorry. Nobody's interrupting Boots Poffenberger. Yeah, he deserves okay. his due. What yeah. did he play? Sounds like a left fielder. I, he played baseball. I don't know. Now, Boots was actually his nickname, but his real name was Cletus. Cletus. So you get it both ways. It's both funny. Number six is Dick Sharon. It's good to share. It's kind of a innuendo one. It makes <laughs> it funny. Dick Sharon. All the best jokes need to be explained. <laughs> <laughs> Number five is our boy, Akil Badu. Man. That's a in the, in the history of Tiger's names, Akil is top five. Five. He's got I think to, he's he has to be honored. Akil Badu is a pretty good name, right? It's a great name. Number four, Heine Manoush. He's a good baseball player, Heine Manoush. What was his career war? I don't know. It was a joke. I didn't assume that you did. I don't I don't know. I didn't write these down. Number three is Coot Veal. Coot Veal. You like that? Number two, number two is Lou Blue. Lou Blue. Lou Blue. I like that. We should have more naming or rhyming names. Why don't people do that more? It's right. Cla- it's classy. Like Paul Hall. Your folks should have named you Paul. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Number one, all-time best Tiger's name. Do you have a guess? I do not. Rusty Koontz. Rusty 
Coats. Long career, that one. Still, yeah. still kicking around. Uh, He's got those golden now. locks going on the Rusty Coons. He was with, uh, what, Kansas City for a long time? I think so. Yeah. This is what anyway. I'm actually curious about. You're going to tell actual people that their names are the worst. Yeah, here we go. Third from the worst is Ken Jones. <laughs> so we're just doing, like, basic names. Ken Jones. Oh, what a terrible name. <laughs> Number two is Matt Hall. Hall is obviously a terrible last name. Incredibly rude. <laughs> and Matt, I mean, it's pretty pretty basic. Pretty basic. Pretty basic white guy. Yeah. Matt Hall. The number one worst overall Tigers name. I, I do not have a guess. Bob Smith. Bob Smith. That's it. Bob Smith. That's it? That's the worst one. That was an extended and exaggerated version of power rankings well that was lovely i have a so i i put out on twitter i was asking that you know we're doing our hot takes what what hot takes do you have so i have a few of them here ready to go we'll just bust through them it'll be a speed round good good. you'll have to comment first one comes from at tim in the north the tigers will be a wild card team (laughs) no next one from at slug Wizzy. There will be at least one Podcastianos episode in each calendar month, April, May, June, July, August, September. Sounds crazy, I know, but I believe in you guys. That would be a departure for us to have some consistency. Boyd, oh, this, excuse me, at at the Jackpot News, Boyd, Teheran, and Urania all have bounce back years. All are fr- flipped at the deadline along with Jacoby, who apparently is not having a bounce back year. Okay. Nope, but Okay. I could see. I don't. I. I am kind of there with you on Urania. I'm not sure that he's going to, but I could. I could see that for Teheran, and then Boyd. Who knows? Uh, at Evan underscore one nine nine five zero says Nomar Bizarra to hit thirty homers. No, uh, no. This is an interesting one. He might DH for us some though. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Definitely. He'll. He'll be in the lineup a decent amount. Uh, at, or excuse me, just Robert Baker says the team leader in home runs is not currently on the roster. Well, that's, it's possible with Nunez. I mean, Nunez can hit you. Evan said it. I mean, you plug, you plug Nunez in every day. He hits you 30 bombs. Yeah. I, I don't disagree with that. And he hits you 30 bombs and has a zero war. <laughs> I mean, that's how bad he could be yeah. or good. He could be Yeah. Right. glass half empty half full type of situation exactly. last one is from our buddy Jacob Scronet he says Al Avila will not be the GM of this uh, GM at the end of the season three wow. fire emojis wow yeah that would be a three fire emoji happening if you want to get in touch with the show you can on Twitter and Instagram I am at hosted by Jay Hall Eric is at Eric Wayne's brain and the show is at podcastianos once again, you can learn more about a presenting sponsor, Martin's Supermarkets at martins-supermarkets.com or on social media at Martin's Markets. Eric, anything else to say to the people before we got here for the day and also before the season starts? We had a recent golden age of good names. So I have just recently, the, the, the fun Tigers names would be Mikey Matuk, Matt Tuyasasopo, that's a good one. Guido Knutson, Warwick Sopold, Charlie Furbush, Buck Farmer, and Al Albuquerque. These are all. Al, Al, how did Al Al not make your top 20? Al Albuquerque. These are all good names. You know, we take it for granted. 
what quality entertainment we are getting lately from the Detroit Tigers. With that being said, we will catch you guys next week and eat them up, Tigers. Eat them up. Goodbye. We need to we need to get some um some shots going. Everybody, shots, 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 shots. Because vaccines doesn't really fit with Little John's rhythm very much. Like vaccines, vaccines, you know, shots is better. This has been a production of the Alpha Dog Podcast Network. Find more shows at alphadogagency.com slash podcast. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.